Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. The process of getting life insurance is extremely confusing, but I got my life insurance policy through Ethos and their technology made everything so simple. Every year you wait, life insurance premiums increase by 8 to 10%. So get a free personalized quote at ethoslife.com slash best. That is ethos, E-T-H-O-S, life.com slash best. Go to ethoslife.com slash best to get your free life insurance quote today. Ethos Technologies operates in California as Ethos Life Insurance Services, not available in all states and prices subject to underwriting and certain health questions. Okay, this is a fascinating podcast, my darlings, because we have on famed criminal psychologist, Dr. Michelle Ward. What's especially cool about Dr. Michelle Ward is she's my cousin. She was raised, we were raised like sisters. She lives seven minutes door to door from me. So we never talk about what she does because it scares the shit out of me. I'm not someone who's into true crime. I won't be able to sleep at night. So whenever she comes over, which is often, we drink wine, talk about our kids and gossip about family members. So it's very rare that, you know, when the Amber Heard case was going on, we talked a lot about borderline personality disorder. We talk about narcissists. She's always helped me with people that I've been dating because she'll be like, "Mm, that's kind of a red flag. Incredible, right? So she has two podcasts that I really, if you guys are into true crime or if you're into, you know, if you have kids and you want them to not turn into serial killers, which is so funny. She has a podcast called How to Not Raise a Serial Killer. And she has another podcast called Mind of a Monster. She also had a television show, which is still airing, called Mind of a Murderer and Stalked. Two separate shows. They're both on investigation discovery. She's incredible. She's funny. She's incredibly intelligent. If you love true crime or if you just want to look out some like red flags for dating, it's all in this podcast. So please enjoy. Okay. I'm pressed to record. <laughs> how did you know how to do that? <laughs> Seriously, it's complicated. It's a round button with a red circle in the middle. You are so fucking smart. <laughs> okay. You're actually smart. And that's why you're on the podcast. Okay, everyone. This is so weird because you're my cousin and we both have podcasts, but have never done this together. And it feels oddly professional. I know. And I feel like <laughs> I'm going to say things I'm going to regret. We can have Nick take anything out. I don't trust Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are very smart. Okay. Can you tell everybody what 
What's your title? Queen. Um, <laughs> I feel so weird looking you right in the eye as we do this. <laughs> so awkward. Um, I have a PhD in clinical neuroscience. I'm a neurocriminologist. Let's say that. I'm a neurocriminologist. Oh, I always say you're a forensic psychologist. I'm, I'm, so forensic psychologists do anything having to do with courts. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. so they can be evaluating children or this is different. A neurocriminologist studies the brains of killers, basically, or, or violent criminals. So I study the, the biology and the genetics of violent crime. Wait, what was your major at Boulder? Pre-med psychology. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. And then what was your, what did you study at SC? So when I was, I get bored really easily. I'm kind of a sensation seeker. So I was like, okay, I like school and I hate working. So I'm going to keep going in school, but it needs to be exciting. Weird. I'm the fucking opposite. The opposite. I know. And we share a lot of genes. We're, we are. Weird. Just want to paint a picture of what Michelle looks like. <laughs> Michelle is tall and thin with long blonde hair. No. Well, big, big chichis. I paid for my chichis. Well, see, we now we have something in common. Our body composition, our faces, complete opposite. So there's only four of us in the family then of cousins. One's my sister, one's your brother, and then there's us. And Pia came a little later in life when we used to sing one of these is not like the others because <laughs> we were all blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> and Pia looks like a little chocolate princess with her big golden chocolate eyes and yeah so sorry we were a little abusive it explains a few things <laughs> yes it did. my resilience your mostly. resilience yes so, um okay so i was i wanted something exciting i am like i'm gonna study murders this is way before true crime i mean dinosaurs were on the earth and you're so I'm, like, I'm gonna study criminals and then everywhere i looked people were, were just focusing on environment and you know behaviors and bad parenting and you know, looking at the childhoods of people who are in prison. But I'm like, if everyone being neglected or abused in childhood is the only way to becoming criminal, mm-hmm. then, There'd or be, if it's a cause, the, uh, then wouldn't everyone become- I was going to say, well, there'd be way more. Right. And I always say like war-torn countries, the next generation would be all criminal. And it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So I looked around, there was only three people studying the biology. I'm like, there must be an individual difference. There must be something going on. So it's Wait. far more complicated than that, but- that seems very recent and odd that only in the last, sorry, you're not very, you're young. So that yeah. only, there was only three people at your time that were studying mm-hmm. the biology of a serial uh, In the United States. I could only find Whoa. three professors. So what was your thesis? Well, okay. So my master's thesis was looking at prenatal outcomes from like uh, smoking, moms who smoked. Mm-hmm. I used the Colorado Adoption Project data. My dissertation, I looked at thousands of pairs of twins between nine and 11 years old. Mm-hmm. I studied if, well, how, in, how heritable psychopathy is. And we use children because it's before they learn how to lie about mm. their feelings. Psychopaths don't feel guilt, remorse, or empathy, which is why they can <coughs> be leaders of countries or surgeons or serial killers. Whoa. That's a lot, huh? <laughs> So we wanted to know. And once you talk to an adult psychopath, they're like, oh, God, I felt horrible. But they've learned the words of an emotion, but they don't know the music of an emotion. They don't Mm. know what it really feels like. It's like describing. I've had a psychopath tell me, you talking to me about empathy is like you're describing a color I haven't seen. Mm -mm. Yeah. like Or or describing color to a blind person. It's just an emotion they don't have, but they learn to fake it. So we looked at it in children. We looked at many twins. ex-boyfriends. 
of well, both of ours. I've maybe pointed that out to <laughs> each of us before. Yes, because you can be a pro-social psychopath. Mm. You know, you can, you can, you're, they're very goal-driven. Your goals can be pro-social, like running a country or being a really good surgeon or chopping people up into little pieces. It's just, that's an anti-social psychopath. I am not as invested in your work because I'm so scared all the time. Yeah. Like I can't watch anything scary every time I get up to pee since I was little. Is there something about this house that's weird? I always felt like this house, like I, every time at night, I'm like, somebody's watching me like tonight's the night that I'm going to end up in like pieces in a trash can somewhere. Well, this house has like a lot of green around it and woodsy kind of feeling. Also, just you the know, windows it and it's, it's old and it, it creaks. creaks. The creaks are really, yeah. yeah. My whole life I've been really scared in this. I mean, this is my home and I'm, well, have and you ever been scared in here? Yes. So when I would watch you and I've house sat when nobody's here before, thankfully you always have some sort of vicious dog. There's it always makes, a dog. Yeah. It makes me feel better. But no, I, I've been freaked out here before. And it just feels like the house, you could be somewhere in the house and someone else could be here on the other part of the house and you'd never know it. Totally. So, we shouldn't yeah. be saying this because it's we're letting people know that they can knock on some old Italian wood. <laughs> <laughs> Please knock lightly on this antique bed. I know. <laughs> just shifted. I'm like, okay. Wait. So when you were, in, I always remember what's so funny is like, at, uh, like because you are my cousin and like a sister to me, us always talking about your work has always been in our home, but like I've never viewed it like objectively. Right. So it's always been satirical thinking about you, this like really boisterous, like pretty blue eyed, blonde haired, beautiful woman, like interviewing serial killers. Like it would, it was something that I always would like joke about. Like, dude, I have a cousin who's like a total babe and gets like put in rooms with men who've killed thousands of people. But I remember you would say like little things to me, like who was that guy that you interviewed who also killed the dog. And you were like, why the dog? (laughs) Matthew Cushing, poor Matthew. He's, I swear to God that I'm convinced that guy has an orbital frontal tumor because he's like, Michelle help. I have, first of all, he looks like a frat boy. Yeah. He he's like, I've had these urges my entire life. I don't want them. They're just here. So he massacred his entire family and then killed his dog. So, you know, I'm doing it for TV. I had the show mind Mm -hmm. of a murderer and I'm, I've got a camera crew with me in the prison always. So I'm never yeah, alone, totally. but there have been times, actually, he's the one, he's the one. So he, he was wearing what? plain clothes for this interview <laughs> yeah. and our equipment got stuck in the scanner. So Jared, our audiovisual guy had to stay behind. So my little tiny producer and I, she's a little girl too. We start walking through the corridors. Now, the thing about prison is you think everyone's all locked up. They're not locked up. They're cruising. <laughs> You're cruising maximum security prison. How many, how many guards did you have at the end? Oh, you mean the 120 pound guard you get (laughs) who stays behind with Jared? (laughs) So you know how like one door opens and the door behind you shut. Like they can't have two doors open at once. So we're going from corridor to corridor. Um, We're carrying one of the cameras because Jared can't carry everything by himself. mm -hmm. You know, he's stuck back at the scanner. So we're going through. We, the door opens, this guy looks like a guard on the other side and he's like, oh, I'll carry that for you. So he starts carrying the camera and I'm like, oh, he's just a prisoner. That's the killer. Oh, that's the killer. So we're walking and she's talking. He was nice and carried the camera for you. Or was he going to smash us over the head and use us as hostages to get out of prison? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you, how scared are you at this point? Well, I'm like, 
I turned around. I'm like, training, come back to me. I turned around. I'm like, Matthew Cushing, Dr. Ward, nice to meet you. And I took mm-hmm. the camera out of his hands. Okay, I don't think yeah. he was aiming to hurt us. But the moment you realize you are in a locked corridor with a vicious buck murderer. How many people did really he kill? Nice guy. Just his family um, or he others? Just, you know, just his family. Oh. This guy, he struggled. So he was the one who killed his dog. And I'm like, why the dog? He goes, you know what, Michelle? I'm so sick of that question. Everyone in this prison's always like, but the dog, dude? He's like, I just killed everybody I love. You think I give a fuck about my dog? Mm. I'm like, well, you did up until the moment you killed him. You fed him. You walked him. Yeah. I'm confused. For him, it was just these overpowering urges to kill. And he looked just like you and me. But for the most part, the murderers are quite polite. I have had a couple. I know. I've had a couple. So the Dannemora prison breakout happened two weeks after I was there. Oh, God. Yeah. So there's been, you know, you hear stories of them holding a reporter, you know, by the neck. And in Texas, they tell you they will shoot you as a if someone takes you hostage, they're going to kill you because there was some big escape in the 70s where they were like protecting. Yeah. So they used hostage host, hostages, too much coffee um, as human shields. And so no one would shoot them. The sharpshooters didn't want to shoot them. And now they're like, no, you know what? We just let a bunch of cartel just, like, people out. Sign so. that when you walk in. Yeah. And the sharp. Oh, but the, the other thing about the guard, nobody's armed. They can't be because they can't be cruising around the prison with guns because they'll be taken down and the mm-hmm. weapon will be taken. Mm-hmm. So only in the command center and then the tower does someone have a weapon. So you're cruising with no, your 120 pound guard doesn't have a gun. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. And I know that to be a Absolute fact, because LPA, Yaya, and Baroncini all run on Shopify. It's the only reason why we're able to have businesses, truly. So whether your thing is vintage teas, recipes for ghee, start selling with Shopify and join the platform, simplifying commerce for millions of your favorite businesses. Because think about it. Do you think I know how to like launch a website and like grab analytics? Like impossible. With Shopify, you can create an online store that's in your vibe discover new customers and grow the following that keeps them coming back. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted. So your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Think about it. Davide is like, especially so bad with technology. This way, he's able to keep all of his inventory straight in the store. It merges, obviously, with online. So we always know that his inventory is accurate. It's also how we're able to pull analytics to raise more money for our brands because all the year-over-year growth, all the data, you just download it from Shopify. They also have 24-7 support, which has been very important to us because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> it's the reason we've been able to figure it out because they can just call Shopify support. They also have a full free library of tons of educational content. So they're really with you every step of the way. Whether you're ready to launch your thing into the spotlight, listen, just do it with Shopify. It's the e-commerce platform backing millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. So go ahead and sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash best, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash best to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash best. If you've been following me for a year, 
a month, a week, or even a day, you can probably tell that something I'm incredibly passionate about is supporting Italian brands. One of these is a makeup brand called Espresso. You may have seen their viral clear blush that blends into your skin's pH level, Glassy, on your Instagram or TikTok feed recently. I've been using their products for a while. And when I tell you that the quality is truly top tier, I am not exaggerating. Their clean formulas are expertly crafted in their professional beauty labs in Italy, and they are up to standards that comply with EU regulations. Espresso aims to be a part of your daily morning routine, just like a cup of coffee for any Italian. If you're a fan of the no makeup makeup look, this brand is 100% for you. The different products in their collection create a makeup routine that is super simple, super easy, yet bold and authentic. You can see it on my Instagram. I have a few reels of how I wear their makeup. One of the coolest things about the brand is that all their products are infused with caffeine. Their lipsticks contain Arabica seed oil, which not only nourishes your lips, but makes them smell like coffee. So you get the full espresso vibe. Another thing that I'm truly obsessed with when it comes to espresso is that they're genuinely constantly trying to improve their environmental practices. So as of March, 2021, they're a carbon neutral company and have since made additional efforts to reduce this even further. Their ABC concealer, which is one of the best I have ever used, includes 30% more product per unit compared to other industry competitors. This is not only positive for the environment, but also gives you a more bang for your buck. That also has caffeine in it. So imagine a little of caffeine under your eyes. It's just fabulous. Right now you can head to their website and get 15% off your purchase using my discount code best. Head to Espresso, that is E-S-P-R- E-S-S-O-H.com and stock up on all your Italian beauty essentials today. And remember, there is no X in espresso. Did you start, when was your first interview with a murderer? Well, it didn't start that way. I did that for, well, the ones that you can see for television, that was more recent. But I started before I even started my graduate program. I was interning at USC Mm -hmm. and we were doing, well, I wasn't doing it. I was just a research assistant, Adrian Rain was doing MRIs on people who had gotten away with or never been convicted of violent crimes. So he hired them from temp agencies. Strangely, 10% of people working for te- Los Angeles temporary agencies had either committed a violent crime or a, a rape, a murder, or attempted one. Wait, and they admitted to this or you could tell by the scans? No, they admitted it. So that's why we scanned them. So Mm. these are people, they admitted Adrian Rain had immunity from the government. So whatever he was told in these interviews would not, he did not have to report it and he wouldn't report it. And he, this is to just get the data, just to get the data. So he took the ones (laughs) who had admitted these crimes and we stuck them in MRI machines to see if their brains are different. Cause we know the brains of murderers are different, Mm -hmm. but we want it. We only know the murders who've been caught. What are the brains of the murderers who haven't been caught? Cause they're smarter. Yeah. And what was it? Well, it's it was kind of all the same stuff. It's just even, you know, they're just smarter and they have more frontal lobe function. So they get away. The frontal lobe is the part that if it doesn't work well, you become very impulsive. You don't plan things well. You don't control yourself well. So in the brain of a murderer, if you have the impulsive type murderers, often you'll see reduction in volume and in function of the frontal lobe, which is right behind your forehead. Mm-hmm. It's also the thing that gets damaged when you, you know get hit in the head yeah. or ride a motorcycle. I know, Davide, don't get me started. Davide. 
Now, the, the predatory type of killers, like your serial killers or your stalkers, usually it's in the amygdala. That's a different lobe of your brain, right, right here, you know, since everyone can see me. It tucked, tucked underneath, and it's the limbic system. It's your emotional system. And that's, they, they, we can actually measure the amygdala is a little funky. And that's where emotions like guilt, remorse, and empathy live. Wow. Yeah, so they can control themselves because their frontal lobe works just fine. But their amygdala is a little funky, so they don't care. So, like, how... I have so many questions and I don't know what to even formulate because I don't watch any of this shit. Yeah. Like, and I can't, it scares me so much, but like, do you understand the fascination with like Americans being obsessed with like murderers and serial murderers and why this, I mean, it's your entire career. So thank God. Well, because- but what's so crazy though, is it didn't, when I started doing this, nobody, it wasn't, I think it's it was like TikTok up. and all these shows and shit. Really so what I've done is I've pivoted. I used to just, I had a show called stalked and I had a show called the mind of a monster I have pivoted. Now I've put all of my energy into taking what we know how to prevent these criminals. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost a little obsessive and explosive, exploitive, like murder porn. It totally is. So I'm like, I'm going to feed some vegetables with this murder porn. Mm-hmm. So I have a podcast called How Not to Raise a Serial Killer. Okay. And in that podcast, I'll cover a crime. But then I also cover what we know, by the way, what we've known for a long time. 20, 30 years, how to prevent that type of crime. So it's a parenting podcast meets true crime, <laughs> which is the same damn audience, which is funny. And it's, hey, here's your juicy story. But also everyone says they want to know why. Here's the why. And here's what we can do to prevent it. Okay. I think we should talk about stalking for a second. Okay. That's fun. Because <clears throat> remember when we had that weird stalker who was like sending us all those messages? That was scary. And it was, so stalkers are predators, right? Mm-hmm. But the one thing that you and I talked about a lot, and this stalker was very targeted. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of stalkers who want to bring you down, mm-hmm. not that they want to necessarily make out with you or kill you, or some of them want to be you, mm-hmm. but you get a lot of nasty, mean, and that's that's jealous rage. Mm. That's jealous rage. The problem with a stalker is they're different than other criminals because of their obsessive nature. So the way I like to talk about stalking is we're all stalkers to some degree. I mean, who has not looked up their new boyfriend's ex-girlfriend? I've done that. I've spent hours. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. Nobody would date me if they knew. (laughs) No, one time I had a girlfriend or I was at a girlfriend's house and she just started dating this guy and her fucking flat screen would do that thing where it would rotate iPhone photos and she had screenshots (gasps) of his ex-girlfriend in the thing. And we were like, Dude, 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 like trying to distract the new boyfriend. Oh no, something shiny over here. <laughs> Did he see it? No. She would have to sleep. But it, her we, list we were just, I mean, everybody doesn't. Everyone. We all do. you do think it. that's normal? Like, what's that human behavior? Okay. So we all have a little bit of it. Do you know how you kind of get drunk off of it and you kind of want a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, what's that? You get a little dopamine hit when you're a little stalkery. What they do is they obsess it about it <coughs> to a point where it is the only thing they wake up in the morning. Where's Pia? Where's Pia? Where's Pia? Mm. Brushing their teeth. They forget to eat often. Uh huh. They're in the shower. Now, if you have all of your thoughts usurped by this obsession, you have plenty of time to plan. It is mm, literally gross. such a high fo- and the hell the hell that is their head. Mm. The, it is not a comfortable that I've talked to many stalkers. It is a very uncomfortable way to be. And that's when they get to the place of fuck it. I cannot be on this planet without her. You know, only three percent of stalkers end up killing their target. Oh. That is very refreshing to hear. <laughs> yes. But do you want to know why that number is low? Why? Because people stalk constantly. One out of every, I believe, three women. No, 
I might be making that up. One out of every eight women and one out of something like every 10 or 12 men will be stalked in their lifetime. Millions of people are stalked every year. So 3% is really big when you realize how many people are stalked. Whoa. Yeah. So it seems really- It's a large number of people. It's a large number. I mean, I had a lot. I did 58 episodes of that show and I talked to a lot of, you know, when something makes it onto a show, you've definitely talked, you've covered more stories than actually made it on. Mm -hmm. It's limitless, endless stalking stories. And everything depends on the legislation in your state. And the only way to get good legislation is your, in your state is if there's been a horrible stalking murder there. So Yeah, because it sets the precedent for the next. Yeah, they can go argue. They can campaign. They can make the legislation change. So, But imagine, you've been obsessed before. Imagine that a hundredfold and that's all you can do. And you, stalkers usually don't get better. They just change targets. Mm. And that's what my they, therapist says about obsessing over mean comments people say about me. I'm going to change the target. It. You got to change but it. But because it has, it, this, everybody has this, like where you obsess over something. Clearly, I mean, people, even mm-hmm. if it's like a puppy or a job mm-hmm. or whatever, people get obsessed with things. But the, so what is the percentage of like, what is the nature versus nurture deal here? Like how much of this is from, like are most serial killers born to be serial killers or is it something that, happens in like a trauma well some serial killers are going to be i mean some really violent people are going to be violent no matter where they were raised like jeffrey dahmer so jeffrey dahmer yeah we'll talk about jeffrey dahmer but some people are they have a predisposition toward Mm. crime a genetic predisposition is there are there any signs you could see of that in in a child when they're like killing an animal that's why i have that whole podcast how not to raise a serial killer because i talk about what are like big big ones these are the things so you can have a child with a predisposition toward crime and then a trigger from the environment, a trauma, mm-hmm. abuse or something, and then boom, perfect storm. To give you an example, people, criminals who give away their babies, violent criminals who give away their babies and their babies are born or raised by non-criminals, they still have a higher likelihood to become criminal than the babies who did not have criminal biological parents. Okay. But if you have criminal biological parents and criminal adoptive parents, it's explosive, your chances. Of course, yes. So it's really both, to answer your question. There are signs you can nudge children you know, you might have an impulsive kid who becomes, totally. you know, maybe a criminal, maybe they're a sensation seeker. You can have a psychopathic kid who you're like, this kid has no empathy or remorse. You nudge them. You put them in pro-social stuff. You get them away. I mean, if you have the freaking resources to yeah, do biofeedback. Totally. So many people don't have that. Yeah, there's so much. But <laughs> my main takeaway is freaking omega-3s. I don't care how you get them in your body, your grandparents' body, your children's body. Oh, good body. thing Carmela eats so much salmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all good business. And you can take it in pill form if you're afraid of mercury. When I wonder if, and I'm going to connect you with these people, the people who do fatty 15. Mm-hmm. Do you have, you see that I post about that? Yeah. They discovered it's a new essential fatty acid that called C15. Oh. That apparently is like more essential, like it does more for you than omega-3s. Okay, I'm going to look into oh, it. It's, it's. Great. It's like it helps you at like a metabolic level. It's like unbelievable. So I wonder if that must they're coming out with a version for kids. They should actually study that or like see if there's been studies to promote it. Put you guys in contact because the woman who developed it's really cool. Hold on a second. Omega threes and what else? Just knowing your kid and recognizing that you're tacitly you're taking credit for things that were tacitly passed down in genes, and you're also beating yourself up for things. You know, you take the credit when they do something great. You do, you take the blame when they don't. If you can abandon the thought that you are creating a human from blank clay mm-hmm. and realize that we are all born with predispositions, mm-hmm. that is not destiny. We can nudge our children and okay. give them a great environment and and protect them from trauma. Trauma is a big deal. Mm-hmm. 
But if you can recognize that you must work within the disposition of your child, it, it is really empowering. So I have worked with people who have realized that their kids are little psychopaths, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are programs that will, so psychopathic children, they need reward-based programs. Punishment doesn't matter. If punishment mattered, they wouldn't be breaking the freaking rules all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, they don't care. They don't care. So recognizing your children, omega-3s, the, the biggest thing I would probably say is make sure that they don't have head trauma because that's a really quick way oh, to become a criminal. Don't worry. I would tell you if Carmela's had head trauma. Well, you I just think- fell off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. <laughs> oh, this is a good yeah, story. How many, like, I've, what did I, were you here when that happened? No, you were on, you were in a little, the bucket seat, you yeah. know, the bucket seat, and mm-hmm. your mom put you on the table. And Number one rule don't put a child in something yeah, on a fucking you table. You fell head first, face first, into the hard floor. <laughs> yeah, that did happen. Did you recognize that my dad had, like, I'm surprised that you didn't, you must have seen. I did. We talked about it. We talked about head injuries because I was studying that. I was starting out. I'm like, God, head injury is a really good way. That's that frontal lobe we talk mm-hmm. about, right? But here's the thing. Impulsive people tend to do things. So you can be born impulsive. Mm-hmm. They tend to do things that put them at risk for head injuries. So because so, they're up, just impulsive people doing right? impulsive things. So then you end up with yeah. like an impulsive person riding a motorcycle, getting a head injury. But yes, your dad and I actually talked about that a lot because he had a... A lot of concussions. But one thing I learned talking to, I believe it was Boston University. I would sit on That's those calls. That's yeah. And they said something really interesting. For context, we sent his brain to Boston University to be studied after he died. Was it Boston College or Boston University? I don't fucking It know. was one of the Boston. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was Boston. not Harvard, was not MIT. It was either Boston College or Boston University. I would know University. where my dad's brain is. Yes. And he, you know, he did have CTE. But one thing that they said, which I think really rang true for your dad, is it's actually the high school. So your dad played for the NFL, but it's actually high school football where they were seeing most of those injuries, the inception of those injuries, because the coaches weren't as good. The, the, the mm. gear wasn't as good. We didn't know. And there is a tendency to be like, get up, get back out there. Yeah. I know you're barfing and you're dizzy. Oh my God. He would say that he would like break a nose and put it back into place and go back on the field. Mm-hmm. And that, that was totally normal. So of course it, these injuries can happen in the NFL and in college, but it's, it's actually. So it was right. like the early sixties. Yeah. yeah. So your dad was, he was such a good loving man, <laughs> very emotional man, but he couldn't calm himself down when he's pissed. Mm-mm. And he, he read very much like a head injury. I mean, you would just see it in his eyes. It would mm-hmm. be like, he's left the room. He's left the room. And that's just, think about that. We all get rage impulsive. I mean, there've been times where I'm like, thank God I don't have a firearm while I'm fighting with my boyfriend, husband, yeah, whoever yeah. it is. But our frontal lobes are intact so we can calm ourselves. Mm. So if you're getting those urges, but you don't have the emergency breaks, yeah. you can see what happens. Do you like sex? Same. Listen, we have a new exciting sponsor to talk about better sex because... If you are a podcast listener, we are very pro-sex around here. We have episodes about the importance of orgasms. So that's why Woo More Play is the perfect sponsor. They're new to the podcast and they're here to help you have the best sex of your life. I always use the Woo Freshy wipes before and after sex because first of all, what a goddamn good invention. Second, they're made with coconut water and they smell fucking amazing. So I feel confident and fresh, especially after a quickie in the middle of the day. I seriously have... These little wipes everywhere. They're in my bags or my side table, my car. You never know, you know. For the best sex ever, you have to try Woo's Coconut Love Oil. 
It's made with natural and organic coconut oil. And even though we use it for everything like foreplay, sex, massages, whatever, you should also know that it's edible. Tastes like a damn vanilla cupcake. No joke. I highly recommend testing that one out for yourself. Woomar Play has given us a special offer for our Everything is the Best listeners. Head over to woomoreplay.com and use code BEST for 20% off your entire purchase. That's 20% off site-wide with code BEST. Go get those wipes. Go get that coconut love oil. Send me a DM. Tell me that you love it. Enjoy better sex and thank Woo later. Super You by Moon Juice. My ride or die, one true love. You're stuck on a desert island and can only bring one thing product that helps me and Davide stay sane. We've been taking it religiously for over two years, and I mean it when I tell you I do not know where I'd be without it. Super U is made with four potent adaptogens, ashwagandha, rhodiola, shavatari, and amla, to help alleviate the emotional, mental, and hormonal and physical manifestations of stress. Now, if you know me at all, you know I love ashwagandha to help regulate my cortisol levels. I've been on just that for many years. It puts me in a joyful, peaceful mood. But what I love about Super U is that it has the three additional adaptogens in there to address the long-term effects of chronic stress on your health and well-being. Super U has been clinically, clinically shown to decrease cortisol by 24% in addition to help reduce fatigue, boost your energy and mood, enhance focus, and control stress-related weight gain. Super U is truly a cult favorite product at Moon Juice. It's their number one bestseller with over 18 million capsules sold and thousands of lives changed around the world, including mine. And definitely including Davide's because that man is very fiery. Also, Carmela's, since it makes us better parents. All the ingredients in Super U are traceable, sustainably sourced, third-party tested, vegan and non-GMO and bioavailable, which essentially means they are superior quality for superior results. It's the real deal. Every morning, I take two capsules with a glass of water and immediately feel a difference. I'm calmer. I'm nicer. I'm more focused. I have more energy, clarity to tackle everything I have to do each day, which as a mom, business owner, and human being in today's world is a huge gift. If you are someone who takes a daily probiotic for your gut and sits down to meditate when you can for your mental health, trust me when I say you should be taking Super U for your stress care. Two caps a day keeps the stress away, friends. Get a free bottle of Super U. Just head to moonjuice.com slash best and subscribe. Again, two caps a day keeps the stress away. So speaking of things that are so kids who kill multiple animals with no empathy, that's like always a big so or no it doesn't have to be there's okay. some normative curiosity so you used to have a pond right out here where i'm looking at your window it was a guppy pond and your brothers would stick toothpicks through the guppies oh and none of them are psychopath well i'm just kidding none of them are psychopaths <laughs> and we'd all look at it i used to do surgery where you put salt on a snail yeah I no i didn't of- do salt. i did surgery on snails that's horrible i think about that and i think about that with so much guilt and one time i i saved a snail and I did, I literally sewed them up that oh. there. So there is some normative, just anatomical curiosity that comes at very young ages. Eventually the empathy starts kicking in and you're, you're not hurting animals. It can be a harbinger for things to come. A lot of times it starts there. If they're hurting pets, that's a different ball game. You know, if they're yeah. starting fires and there's this whole thing, hurting pets, starting fires and wetting the bed. I don't buy the wetting the bed business. Yeah, that's normal. That's normal. And people don't talk about it so much. But 
yes, if you have an unempathetic child who's hurting animals, doesn't laughs when you get hurt, laughs when their siblings get hurt. We used to ask those really young kids, like, what ha- what would it feel like if your sibling died? They'd be like, do I get a room? Do I get the... <gasps> So if you have somebody who's just kind of lacking, it doesn't mean that this child's going to be a fledgling, is a fledgling psychopath and is going to be, but it's something to pay attention to and then read up on. And there are ways to nudge them. Know that they are, they're thrill seekers. Usually they have really low resting heart rates, really low autonomic arousal. And that's another thing I studied in the kids. They they don't have anticipatory fear. So if you tell them you're going to shock them and count down, our heart rate increases. We start sweating. And our digestion slows down. They don't have that. They don't have that anticipatory fear. So that allows them to do crazy shit because they're not They're not having like a physical nervous reaction. That's right. That's exactly what it's called. It's a somatic reaction. They Mm -hmm. don't have the physical reaction to it. So it allows them. So if you're seeing that in your child, know that one of the things they're looking for is thrills because it's an uncomfortable way to live Um. with this like low autonomic arousal. It's uncomfortable. So often they are sensation seeking, thrill seeking. And if you see that, there are ways to nudge them into pro-social stuff, but just recognize that, you know, they don't have the fear of consequences and which is why punishments don't work. And they're very goal driven. This also sounds like a lot of like hyperactive kids. Well, it's kind of hard. It it does get really, it's hard to disentangle. There's so many like hyperactive, I feel like that's like, I mean, we know it's just on the rise. There's a lot of like and that, God, there's so many reasons we can get that. So yeah, a lot of these things look similar when you're younger, but the the when when they just aren't connecting in that human yeah. way, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of kids don't express remorse. They're like, no, I didn't. I don't care. But you as a parent, and I hate to put you'll more know the shit on parents. So but you'll know the difference. You, you, especially if you have more than one child, you recognize like this is a little bit different. But most parents don't want to talk about it. They don't want, they're afraid to tell their, and their pediatrician does not know what to do. But we do. There is a ton of research and there's actually places like Boys Town and Mendota where they take really highly psychopathic boys who've already started going down a criminal path and they're psychologists and they have these parent uh, teaching teams. You go live with them and they create these reward systems. So they they know they're not going to teach. It's incredible. They know it's not going to teach them how to be empathetic or care, but it teaches them that they are rewarded if they work within our societal rules. What are signs that you can see in a partner that? (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about relationship advice. And one thing I think is important is, um, well, two things, love bombing. When you are in a relationship where someone's fast tracking. Yes. Fuck. Love bombing, wanting to control kind of where you are, want to know where you are, that kind of obsession. Not all of those end up bad. Those aren't yeah. always stalkers. They, but it's a bit of a panic and a control at the same time. Mm-hmm. We feel it when you get excited, all that oxytocin. It takes at least 18 months for the oxytocin to like level out when you see the person. Oh. So really, you don't really know until at least 18 months. That's why they always say a year and a half, mm-hmm. like the honeymoon's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when shit gets real. But I still have oxytocin for that. I know. So you can still have spikes of it and keeping that alive will keep your sex and your marriage alive for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But you know that kind of where you you ignore red flags because- Yeah, you're... I remember saying to myself, this is a red flag mm-hmm. and I'm actively ignoring it. That's right. So one of the things, we all feel that kind of exciting, but excitement, red, uh, sorry, fast tracking a relationship and love bombing can be something to really pay attention to. It's the sign of 
a narcissistic lover. Yeah, not that you're going to get hurt, but that right. this is some, the intentions for the relationship are more selfish, right? Right. And maybe a little less. Yeah, a little less. What are your needs? A little bit more. You got to fill I, this need. Totally. I need this. Um, another thing, just in relationships in general, and I remember Dr. Drew always asked me this question, and I want to give a more concrete answer, but look in the orbit of a person who you are involved in. Who are their friends? Who are they paying attention to? Because a true psychopath, everyone in their orbit serves them somehow. Mm. They don't have a ton of really like in close, in-depth relationships just for the sake of, oh, oh my God, some, there was a clip on TikTok that was, a, 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 someone was giving an interview with a narcissist. I feel like I sent it to you or I pinged, I saved it to send to you. And he said, I don't have any desire to have a connection with another person, mm -hmm. but I can see the advantages of that relationship and where it could get me next. Yes. And I will do anything I can to take advantage of that person to bring me to a place I want to go, but I don't care. They're just a means to an end. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And you'll notice that everyone around them serves them somehow. Mm -hmm. So pay attention to that. And, you know, remember, they learn the words of guilt, remorse, and empathy really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, Cleckley, back in the 50s, was, was like, look, you, they're written, they're charming and manipulative. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and they're, they're, they frame things very cleverly. Like, all of a sudden, and I still get yeah. hoodwinked. I will leave an interview and be like, God damn it. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. It happened again. <laughs> and it's really hard. Some argue that it's evolutionarily, it's in a more advanced human. Oh, because they've learned to adapt to a different, yeah, mm -hmm. they aren't burdened with guilt and empathy. Now you can't really live in a society of psychopaths because nobody would take care of each other. Yeah, yeah. But you can see how having one or two, you know, it's 1% of our population. It's a lot of people, mm. but usually they're not killers. Usually they're, you know, hedge fund managers, bank <gasps> bankers, they're heads of country. You know, you see them, you see them out there. They don't normally kill. But when you get one who's really getting his thrill from killing, he's, he doesn't have like the guilt to stop or the fear of consequences to stop. Oh my God. So there's like serial cheaters. So. Uh, are narcissists. I'm just talking narcissists, about narcissists. You know, those are far more common. And psychopaths do have very high narcissistic features, but narcissists are not psychopathic. They're, they're wildly insecure. Mm. Psychopaths aren't insecure. They, they're narcissists because they really freaking believe it. Got it. Whereas a true narcissist is really just, they, they need a fan club. They need you to praise them. They need to tell you about all of their accomplishments because they don't feel great about themselves. As a mother, I know that the health and well-being of your loved ones is your top priority. That's why it's critical to stay informed about anything and everything that affects our families, including how to stay safe against the COVID-19 infection with COVID-19 vaccines and boosters. As some of you know, vaccines have been authorized for the whole family, including little ones as young as six months, to help protect them against serious illness from COVID-19. The vaccine has been proven to be safe and effective, and here in California, hundreds of thousands of infants and toddlers over six months have already been safely vaccinated against COVID-19. In more recent news, the updated COVID-19 booster is now available and can help strengthen our protection against the original coronavirus while targeting the newer, more infectious strains. Californians ages 12 and older can 
can now get their updated booster and children as young as five are eligible to receive the original booster. Don't wait, help the whole family get vaccinated. Head to myturn.ca.gov for more information about COVID-19 vaccines and booster for the entire family. There you'll find the resources and information you need, including the options to book a vaccine appointment or find a walk-in location near you. Protect your family. Visit myturn.ca.gov today. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. What do you think is, I feel like it's America specifically, because I don't, what do you think is America's obsession with serial murderers and true crime? Yeah. It actually isn't. I get notes. I mean, I evidently I'm killing it in Zimbabwe. No. Nigeria. So I don't random. know. It's everywhere. It's it, just everywhere. This is my theory behind it. So we are the only people to, to make money off of it, but it's going to other, like other countries yeah. are really like, yeah, because I, because, and I only say this, this is my naive small take because Davide's like, we don't have shows like this in Italy. Like, no, they do. I, my shows in Italy, they do. He's just not the demographic. They're not making it though. They're not it, making it's it. It's American shows that are being played over there. Right? Yes, I think, I think so. <laughs> I mean, they might be doing it now since all the kids are doing it. But are, there are countries, well, I digress really quick, but are there countries with higher rates of, what are the, what are the countries? Russia. India. Uh, well, there's, more, there's just more people, don't you there's think? There's more people and there's more ways to hide under the radar. And there's different ideas of the value of life. I'm not saying specifically for those countries, but yeah, you can be a very prolific serial killer in Russia and in India. Where else? Well, I mean, anywhere where you're not, where you have a lot of people and you're not keeping great tabs on them. Mm. So it, it, it's easier to get it. If the, if the country doesn't have a ton of resources for task forces and that kind of stuff, you can get away with a lot more. You know, we have, we have the FBI and we have, we, we do a census. There's like we, under, yeah, we understand. Like, there's we count so, the I mean, bodies. so many countries that don't have a census. Right. We count the bodies. And I, I should say that this obsession with true crime, the demographics, more men are getting interested, but it tends to be women between like 18 and 60. I think the reason is twofold. I think we're always a little more fear, fearful because we're usually the victims. Totally. So if the more information you have, I think we kind of like the thrill of the story, but we also feel more empowered when we are like, oh, I know I'm, I'm not going to do that thing. Totally, totally. Right? Or, mm -hmm. oh, I don't hang out with people who are look like that. It's a false sense of maybe security. But if you do get your vegetables with your true crime, you do you are a little bit more protected. Yeah. I mean, I get people writing to me and they're like, ah, I learned this from your show. And, you know, I mean, I have one time I was in TJ Maxx and you can judge me, but I was a young college graduate student. So you were at TJ Maxx. So I was at a, I was at TJ Maxx. By the way, and, which is the one in La Cunada is full of designer clothes. I can't afford the one in La Cunada. <laughs> this was It's in, where our Lord Venice and Beach. Savior Margaret gets all of her stuff. Yes. Yes. So I, and I heard a voice. No. And I got chills up and down my body and I know almost peed. <clears throat> and I'm like, there's nothing in me that could have known anything about this man's history. I've never been so, I talk to killers, but yeah. I've never been so physically afraid of a person. And so I rounded to see who he was. He had like, he was, very good looking. Hair was back in ponytail and he had these like yellow brown eyes and he looked right at me and the fear only grew and I bolted. 
I left my, Fuck. you know, my theory suit. I thought I was going to get for a deal, not yeah. whatever I left. I, you have the feeling there is something. I made an eye contact with someone the other day and got the fucking weirdest feeling. Trust that. Trust I that. walked by fast. Where were we? I can't remember, but I, I think Davide was, oh, we were in New York. And we had just, you know, just people, I don't ever walk anywhere here. And I, from a half a block away, it was just a man standing on a corner. And I was like, I don't even want to walk by that guy. And he just was yeah. a total, could have probably in his sixties, like hefty beard. Like I usually am drawn to. You t- trust too much. I, but I'm also usually drawn to a man that like kind of resembles my dad. Like mm-hmm. I, I always have tons of empathy for them. I'm always like, does he have friends? Does he have family? Aww. Is he alone? Like. And this, I just, I could see him and I was like, don't fucking look at him. And then I did. And he looked at, Ooh, I could still feel it. And I was like, fuck. I mean, he wasn't going to do anything to me. We we're on the corner of like spring and mulberry, but like it was packed on a Saturday, but I was like, that guy is fucking dark. And as humans, we don't respond to like instincts, really. Animals do like animals are born, like dogs are born afraid of snakes, I think. And everyone's born afraid of fire, but th- there is something left over and Culturally, we used to deal with people like that differently. I, I don't remember which indigenous group this was, but when there was somebody who lacked care for the community, they would take them, quote unquote, hunting and push them off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Not that a, tracks. I mean, it tracks. I'm fine for that. It tracks. Yeah. It tra- except you do want, you know, you do. we do need some pro-social psychopaths around. But <laughs> my, my thing is, that, yeah, you don't want to judge a book by its cover. But if you feel like vomiting when you're talking to somebody or they're looking at you, just don't ignore that. Mm. Right. Um, what was, oh, tell me like a few. I want to know just like I want and I want stories from from murderers that you've interviewed. <sighs> I can talk to you about a vampire. What do you mean? Well, there's, there's a, did you know what there's vampire covens in every big city in the United States of America? What do you mean? I'm not lying. I went to go interview Rod Farrell, who's known as the vampire killer. I loved him. Great. I end up loving these killers, oh not because they're not fucking monsters because they are, but they, what's so scary is they're usually like you and Mary. Very charming. Charming. And- Rod was part of a coven. He thought he was... I'm going to get it wrong. Visaggio, some 300 year old vampire. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. You must be schizophrenic. And he's like, Michelle, have you done your research? Vampire covens are everywhere. In fact, he was one in what, like Missouri or something. And then one in Florida, like when his mom moved him, all of a sudden he found his new coven. <laughs> they do bloodletting ceremonies. Uh, they're rarely murdering people, but yeah, yeah. They just they're feel- awfully freaking close. So that was fun. I sat particularly far away from Rod because I'm like, I've got these bony hands with veins hanging out of them. I'm like, yeah. shit. He's, he's gonna, like thirsty, he's thirsty for you. I've talked to, I've talked to a man, Willie, Willie Trotty. I left bawling. He was a man. He pulled himself out of one of the worst childhoods I've ever heard. Mm. Um, it was a family in the South, five children, something like that. I could be making that up. And his mom abandoned him at the doorstep of a motel where he thought they thought, the mom thought the dad was, but he wasn't. So he hung out there with his five siblings. Anyway, everyone turned up, turned out as you would expect, not with great lives. But Willie Trotty didn't. He put himself through school. He was like in the band. He was kind of a dork. Yeah. And he was just the sweetest, cutest thing. But then he finally found a family. He ended up falling in love when he was very young and joining that family and getting married. And he was just that... He found meaning in his life. He had good jobs. 
but she left him mm. and he saw red and he went in and killed her, her brother, Titus. He was, I think he killed her sister. He, there was nine children sleeping on the floor and he was shooting everything. He, he killed kill the kid. Kids. No, he's uh. not killing kids. He broke. Mm. He broke. He fulfilled a destiny that everyone thought he'd have, that he had fought. Mm. It was one of my first uh, TV interviews. It was, you know, I'd, I had interviewed probably a hundred. It must be hard to try to be emotionless. I wasn't emotionless. I balled through the whole thing. But you, they can't show that on TV. No, because right? you also can't be a sympathizer. That's you what I'm can't saying. Be you can't be you like, killer You have to be this like interviewer. And I'm not. Yeah. I even, look, I am categorically anti-death penalty only because we're the only Western country in the world that does it still and also we can put to death of an innocent person very well very easily yeah the way it's set up but i did the et elliot thing he was at behind glass because he's on death row so we did that et and elliot i would let him watch my children i know that man was never going to kill again but here's the kicker he was 21 years old when it happened and he's been in solitary confinement for 21 years no michelle 21 years in solitary confinement in texas so his execution date was two weeks later and I'm in Chicago. Did he die? You always have to read the last chapter. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Since we were little. Sorry. Delay gratification. <laughs> now, you were six years old and I would talk to you about <laughs> delaying gratification. And you said something like, I'm a consumer. Like something really cute. Oh like my you didn't God. know what the word meant. Oh my God. Um, we're going to delay gratification, Peter. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's always like, why do you have to ruin the story? <laughs> okay, go. It's Bye. not your fault. Okay, go ahead. So I'm in the Chicago airport. I'd written to the government, a government, the governor. I'm not saying people shouldn't be put to death. There are some people who I do believe need to be put to death. Like the guys who kill the guards. Yeah. Because come on, what are we, where are we going to put you? Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was really inhumane. They 21 years old, 21 years in solitary confinement. I'm in the Chicago airport. I just had a baby and I somehow I hear it that uh, Willie Trotty had just been like, you know, Texas has just executed its, mm -hmm. its 15th person this year. And I lost it. Aww. And I am not a murderer sympathizer. I'm not making excuses for murders. I just like to understand it so that we can prevent it. Mm -hmm. So I went into the bathroom and I'm pumping and oh, crying. Oh. <laughs> and there was an attendant there. Oh, God. And she was from the South. And she's like, do you, do you need, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And she was so lovely. I mean, she saw him pumping and like yeah, yeah. the plug was by the... Anyone who came in got to see that creepy nipple thing where yeah. it's like, <laughs> but I had to pump. And I, so she's like, do you need anything? And, and then I lost it. And she's like, you know, what's going on? And I told her the story. What an insane story. To, if you were going to ask anybody in a bathroom if they're okay, that is the last story I would expect to hear from somebody. Especially when there's oh, suction so cups of her who's pumping. Yeah. And she looked down at me and she said, you can't save everybody, but you need to keep taking care of your baby. Oh, I know. <laughs> And I know she had a story, you know, she was a woman from the South as well. And she's looking at me probably like, girl, yeah. you don't know everyone's stories and how tough this is and what, how everyone's going to, I, I just felt such understanding and support from her. And yeah, I don't think he was the right person to execute, but I, again, I, I risk a lot saying this shit because people then think I'm, everyone has a strong opinion about that, but that was one murderer where I'm like, I don't think he would have ever done it again. I think he just lost his mind for a moment. Not that he should be out. No, but there's a, it's not like you can, it's not like you can, <clears throat> I mean, what are you going to say? You're going to take this man to court and you're going to say he lost his mind. This man has had previous trauma. 
he's not going to do this again. This was a one and done. I mean, you can't. And then think about her family. Like her family is like, kill this fucking man. So he, I believe he needed to be in jail for the rest of his life. Because if you have a propensity to lose your shit like that and start murdering people. You shouldn't be in society. You can't be out. But I wish that they had uh, at least allowed him to be part of the the prison community. Because I think he had a lot of good messages. And he was very, he just was... What damage had been done to him psychologically being in solitary? Because that's, I remember talking, uh, reading something about this during COVID that like taking people away from other people is truly the worst thing you could do to a person. And we know that. And even like expelling a kid from school for bad behavior is just going to perpetuate the behavior more. That's right. Taking somebody out of their environment. Now, look, obviously you need to stay in prison, but Solitary confinement will only make a criminal worse. Mm-hmm. It is not, you think it's a punishment they're trying to avoid, which it is, but it will inadvertently make a better, worse criminal out of them. You need to make them more human, not less human. I am all for strict punishment. I don't want these people roaming the street. I'm not saying that at all, but let's be more effective. Yeah, I mean, jails should be rehabilitation centers. Well, so in, in several, you know, Finland, Other, I think yeah. Switzerland, you go to jail for 20 years and immediately you're met with a team of doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. I think if your crime is so egregious, they keep you in forever, but usually not in the recidivism. The repeating funding is very low. Mm. Now, of course, that's a country that has, I think, less population than we do here in you know, Los Angeles. It's that small. Yeah. You can't extrapolate it to a country like this. But we do know things that are more effective in reducing recidivism. You, making them meditate, giving them omega threes, introducing yoga. We, I, I don't remember everybody who's sponsoring these studies, but there's been several of them. And the criminals who are gonna, going to be let out in those groups recidivate at a much lower level. They don't. They're not repeat offenders to the same degree as the ones they who don't get that kind of treatment. Okay, what would you like to tell us about Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> just did a podcast. You should and- listen to the podcast, but are there a couple of things that you, cause I just think I, I will not watch the show. I will not be able to sleep. It doesn't, I can't, I, I'm not gonna be able to sleep. Yeah. But are there, I, I can't any, watch is there anything either. like interesting about his case? Yeah. I mean, clearly. Because- we used to, <clears throat> when I first started graduate school, I was sitting in a group of people and they're like, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, one of the professors was like, you know, he's not a psychopath like the rest of the serial killers. He's different. So, he actually had empathy and remorse and guilt. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but he, he had, it was lower than ours, but he had it. He had what's called schizotypal personality disorder. Mm. It can be viewed as maybe a watered down schizophrenia, Okay, but he had these urges. He did not have an urge. So schizotypal personality disorder, people who suffer from that, they don't have close connections with other people. They're very odd. They have odd beliefs and behaviors. They can hear things that aren't there, but they're based out of real noises. So they'll hear like a faucet will come on and they'll be like, hello. They'll think that the faucet said hello. Mm. Um, Anyway, he had that disorder. It's very rare that the urge is to lie with a zombie, but that's what his urge was not to have a live sexual partner, but to have a not dead, but not. Oh, I don't even know this. Is this what he did? This is what he did. So he tried to make, he'd either kill them and keep them. He did not like to kill them. He'd drink to like quell these urges. He tried, he would, your listeners might not like this, but he would drill a hole in the frontal lobe because he knows that that's kind of where you do a frontal lobotomy and that's where your control center and put acid in there so that he could lobotomize them and it would work for a while and then they'd die. But he, we called him the serial a killer. While, how, I don't want to know anymore. Serial killer with a heart who ate a heart. 
he's not a good person. He's a horrible person, but he was different from all the other serial killers. And so in the Netflix documentary, they're trying to understand him. They're looking back at his childhood and, and I'm like, wait, 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 why aren't we talking about what he was diagnosed with? So the psychiatrist diagnosed him with that. And it's a really funky disorder. The vast majority of them will never be violent. But if mm. you are, if your urges are violent in nature, it can happen. So that's, I mean, we have not seen his equal, but, and we've seen cannibals and we've seen serial killers. He what's was the, just, what's the eating people thing? So that came later for him. He was just in general, like, oh God, it's, I don't get that. There's no, like they do it because of this, or this is just, I know why Dahmer did it. He did it because he wanted to keep them part of him, but I'm sorry. doesn't that just become poo. I, yeah. I don't get that. But some of them, it is these weird urges. They have these funky, funky urges. You know that feeling of, I want you more than I can have you. I love you more than even being married to you. Mm-hmm. There's a depth of uh, compulsion, obsession, and urges I've heard murderers and cannibals talk about that I can't understand. Mm. So I think usually there's some sort of psychiatric uh possibly biological phenomenon happening under the surface because normal people do not want to eat people generally. And so just to round this out, there's basically two kinds of murderers. There is somebody who has an explosive moment and does something out of a mistake. Well, I guess there must be lots of different kinds because then there's like premeditated, like what you see like with like school shooters. It's so fucking sick to talk about. Uh, Yeah, I want to say something about school shooters. And then then there's like serial murderers right? right i feel like is that like the three I just, well oh. you can actually you can, within each category there's a ton of variation okay. but at a very simple level you can say there's the hot-blooded killer mm-hmm. and the cold-blooded killer oh, the hot-blooded and that's exactly what you were saying the hot-blooded mm-hmm. killer it's an impulse at the moment it's second degree it's i mm-hmm. could not stop myself mm-hmm. and then there's the cold-blooded murder they're not angry they're predatory. They mm. plan it out. It's in cold blood. You can, at a very rudimentary level, divide them that way. And there's different biology behind it. There's different trauma triggers. There's different mechanisms, MOs, victimology. They can be wildly different. But even within those categories, they all look quite different. But as a kind of a takeaway, just from a biological perspective, you'll s- just, I mean, and this is all has genetic underpinnings, of course, but the brain, think of this frontal lobe Mm -hmm. as your emergency brakes. And if someone doesn't have them, they can do bad things. Mm -hmm. And then think of the temporal lobe, the amygdala as your emotion center. Mm -hmm. And if that's funky on you, you can also become a criminal, but they're, they're very different from each other. School shooters. You talked about don't take the kid out of school. One of the things, first of all, I will never say the name of a school shooter. And I think we should all stop saying I know, names. I don't know why we're doing that. One of the, there's like a trifecta that comes up before a school shooting. Usually they're loners. Then they have an event that happens right before. Yeah. And usually they've started to become obsessive with uh, either war tactical gear or different kind of weapons. Do not remove them. I know this sounds counterintuitive, but when they're removed from the school is usually right when it happens. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answers for that. I had some, I had a woman on mine who had more answers than I did, but it, there is a trigger to that. And you're, you're not wrong Ugh, about that. It makes that. me so sick. Yeah. So here's my then next last question. It's like, and we've never talked about this. How do you have kids and know the kind of life you want for them Like, you know, my whole life is like, I keep myself in like a little joyous bubble as much as possible to like keep faith. 
for you to hear the depths of the darkest places of the earth all day long, like how do you separate that from your life and like keep like faith in humanity? The second my first child was born, it all went black. Mm. I hate what I do now. Oh, that's why I've switched. Never talked about that. No, it's really (laughs) hard for me what I do. I don't watch myself. I don't listen to my podcast unless I have to. Mm -hmm. I I had to this week. I like, I don't hate my podcast. I just, it's so dark. There's a school shooting. I do not look. Mm-hmm. I, I will look at the, the, the shooter and I will investigate his past. I don't look at the news. I can't watch the war in Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. Something happened overnight to me. So I'm in a very different place now, but I can, I can compartmentalize it and say, you know what? You can bridge the gap between what we know in academia mm-hmm. about preventing this shit mm-hmm. and this huge audience now who wants to learn. Got it. And that's how I sleep. There's at night. the work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't watch horror films. I I don't I don't watch I, not since I was little. Yeah. And it's really hard. It, when I especially when I'm looking at recent crimes that have just happened that somebody could have stopped the anxieties a lot. And that is that happened to me before. It was just yeah, you must read up on these school shooters and be like, hi, how many more signs did we need to have? And if I hear one more person talk to me about, oh, it's the mental illness in the United States of America. What makes you think mental illness is any higher there here than it is anywhere else in the world? Because it's not. Oh, okay. I'm so sick of, we're one of the only countries that treats mental illness. Got it. Okay. So There's a I lot of information. Know. Know. Sorry. No, please. Yeah. Uh, we can, because we can. people should know this. I don't, of course, it's an important piece. And of course, there's, these people are not well mentally, mm-hmm. obviously, but there's something else happening because we're the only country that has chronic school shootings and we are not the only country with this level of mental illness. What's happening? I don't have the answers. Look, you know, it's we very can, political. It's very we political and I'm it. not going to talk about it, but, <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not even sure anyone knows, but yeah. I just know that we need to focus on more than just the, the mental. We can't just use that as a crash. Like, oh, we have to fix mental illness. Good luck. Yeah. No. Good luck. Because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we treat it at least. Well, thank you for this riveting podcast. Yeah, I hope I, I'm really thin skinned. So I hope I didn't offend anybody and they want to yell at me. No, you didn't. This is what you do for a living. I know, but I'm really weak. Why are we so weak? You're not. (laughs) Pia, I've admired you since you were a little tiny girl. Everything you do, it turns out well. You know the right things. You are the hardest working person I've ever met. Okay. We don't, I don't like having compliments on the podcast. And you're Nick, also remove this. I'm not, Nick. <laughs> Nick, I know people in low places. <laughs> Thank you, Pia. No, I I love what you do. I'm so proud of you. I know you don't like compliments, but anytime no, you want to. Same for you. I mean, it's um, you work your ass off constantly. Oh my god, let's just like listen one things with everybody. You work Amazing. your ass off constantly. You're a great family member. You're a very active family oh. member. Well, I do like you. I'm happy that like you people. moved back and we can raise our families next to each other. Carmela's just, the best. Oh, do we not say her name on the podcast? No, everyone knows her name's Carmela. <laughs> oh my God. We well, I keep about- forgetting not everyone talks to serial killers, <laughs> but you have more people following you than anyone I know. So I just have to make sure that we're not telling you too much. Um, I'm a little paranoid. Where can people find you? Anywhere you get podcasts, you can see or you can listen to How Not to Raise a Serial Killer. I also have a podcast with Investigation Discovery called The Mind of a Monster. Mm-hmm. And two TV shows that we don't film anymore, but you can find them they're, anywhere. I feel like they're popping more than ever, huh? Stalked and Mind of a Murderer. Not to be confused with Mind of a Monster. <laughs> Mind of a Monster, I'm just on the podcast. But my baby, the one I really, really, really hope people get a message from is How Not to Raise a Serial Killer. Who, want the, who the fuck wants to raise a serial killer? No, and then please let me know if Carmela starts showing signs. It's okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.